The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Mariana. I am the co-founder of Summer Fridays and host of the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, it is all about building better habits. So there's a podcast that I listen to and I love it. It's called The Mindset Mentor. It's with Rob Dial. He's a life and mindset and business coach, and he has so many good episodes. Not only is his podcast something that I learned so much from, but he's also an author. His book is called Level Up, How to Get Focused, Stop Procrastinating, and Upgrade Your Life. And I feel like these are things that I just need a little bit more help with. Since he is an expert in all of these things, I really wanted to ask him so many things like tips for building better habits, how to set yourself up for success, getting out of your own way, and creating the life that you want. So if you want to unlock your potential, keep listening. If you're interested in getting a copy of the book, we're going to send it to a few of you guys. Just screenshot this episode, post it on your Instagram stories, and tag Rob and I, and we will send you guys some copies of the book along with some Summer Fridays products. And before we get into this episode talking all about habits and tips for building better habits, I wanted to show you guys a few things that have worked for me. I get really overwhelmed if I try to add too many new habits at a time. So I really like to try to focus on one thing that I can incorporate. And then once I feel like I've got that kind of down that it's like a mastered or it's becoming second nature to me, that's when I'll add something else. And I don't just give up after a month. I really like to try to do this over a long period of time because if these are lifelong habits that I want to build or build upon, I know that it's going to take me longer than two weeks or a month to really make these habits a reality. So some of these habits that I've had that I've worked on, I've really tried to perfect and make a daily just kind of routine for myself over the last few years. And one of the apps that helped me is called Done. And in the app, you can upload different kind of things. Like it's all customizable for the things that you want to track. And by adding these things into here, I can really track them and it kind of gamifies what I'm doing. And so it helps me track things. So one of the things that I'm working on right now is just daily movement. I really want to make sure that I'm either working out every day or hitting a step goal that I set for myself. And I used to have it where I wanted to have this many steps a day and I wanted to work out, but I felt like it was just too overwhelming for me. So the only thing right now in my app that I have set up is workout or 10K steps. And at the end of the day, I can just press it if I either accomplished it that day or not. And then I can look at it and it can show me over the last month how many days I completed it. So I can see even though I didn't do it the last couple days, maybe the majority of the days this month I did. So overall, I can look and see that I'm working towards my goals and not feeling so discouraged by, you know, if I got busy and skipped a couple days. The Done app was really helpful for me to help track everything. And then also just removing any kind of barriers or friction where it could make something more difficult for me to do something. So last night, what I did before I went to bed, I put out my workout outfit on my bench. So when I woke up in the morning, it was the first thing I saw. So instead of getting dressed in something else that day, I'm like, okay, I want to do this first. Another thing that I'll do is if I know I want to do a workout at home in the morning, I'll go ahead and set up my yoga mat, my like little ball of weights and everything that I need. So in the morning, it's already set up. It's already out for me. So I don't even have to think about it. So just setting myself up for success and just putting those things in place that can help me build those habits that I'm wanting to create. If I'm hoping to create a habit by removing that friction is helpful for me so that it's easier for me. But if I'm trying to stop doing something and build habits that are eliminating something like drinking alcohol or something like that, I want to make it more difficult for myself. One of the things was reducing my screen time on social media to only have it be certain times of day. Obviously, it's something that I do for my job, so I still need to have it on my phone. It's something that I use frequently, but I want to do it a little bit less. So one of the things I did was I moved Instagram 
off of my home screen and it's not on that bottom shelf like on your phone where you can just click it easily. I moved it to the second screen and not only is in the second screen, but it's also within a folder. I also put time limits on it. It just makes it like a little bit more extra steps if I really want to go do something like I have to like do a few more clicks to make it a little bit more difficult for myself. Another thing I did was I gave up drinking alcohol. So for me, it was taking the alcohol out of my home. And then it was not being in places where it was something that I wanted to do at first until I felt comfortable where I was fine not ordering drinks or doing something like that. So by making those things more difficult, it was helping me create healthy habits that were something that I was trying to get rid of. So eliminating the distraction for me or like the want to want to do something is helpful for me to build habits in the opposite way. I really wanted to learn more about building healthier habits and Rob has so many great tips. So if you guys are ready, let's hear from Rob and don't forget to subscribe to my podcast. I have new episodes every Tuesday. So this episode is all about habits and I'm always trying to improve mine, but how can we master our mind to build better habits? Yeah. Well, first off, really what it comes down to is when you start to look at habits is what is a habit? And a habit is something that you just do, well, you know, habitually. And it, it's something that you kind of do on autopilot. And so there was a study that Harvard did that found out that almost 50% of what we do on a daily basis is actually habits. It's on autopilot. We don't have to think about it. Like for instance, there's probably been many times where you drive, people listening drive from work to their house and they're like, I need to stop and get milk on the way home. And then they get home and they're like, oh my God, I completely forgot to get milk. And the reason why is because they're, they're basically on autopilot. And so with habits, it's something that our brain will do so that therefore it'll put an action that we do habitually into a habit. So therefore we don't have to use as much energy thinking. Because when you sit down and actually think, it's one of the most energy consuming things that your, your body actually does. Even though you, it's only 2%, your brain itself is only 2% of your body weight on average. It takes up about 20% of your energy throughout every single day. And so the thing that, are, that when you look at habits is what are they? It's just basically something that we do enough for our brain to go, you know what I need to do? I need to take this and I need to make it a habit so that I don't have to think about it anymore. I don't have to use extra energy to do it. As far as how to actually make them, there's a really important thing. I actually wrote about this in my book. It's probably my favorite chapter, which is uh, chapter 12, which is something called a, a dopamine reward system. And so people go, well, how do we create habits? Well, the reason why we want to create a habit and make it a dopamine reward system is because dopamine is our driving thing that drives us to do something. They used to think that dopamine and serotonin were both feel-good chemicals in, inside of our body. But what's interesting about it, though, is that dopamine is actually an externally facing drive, motivation, wanting to go do something. When you look at actually the most addictive drugs, they actually are dopamine drugs. So when you do, someone does cocaine, right? That's 250% more dopamine that your body gets at that moment. It's, and then you have a drive to go get more once you become addicted to it. So it's like, how do we not, not become addicted in that way to our goals, but how do we become addicted to these habits? And the way that you do it is you start something called the dopamine reward system. A dopamine reward system is, is super important because basically what you do with it is you find something that you want to start doing. Say, for instance, you want to go to the gym. A lot of people listening, you know, if this come out in January and everyone's starting to work towards their new year, new me goals, they're saying, I want to lose 20 pounds. What we typically do, and when I coach people, what I typically find is that someone says, I want to lose 20 pounds. And then they, they go to the gym for a couple of days and then they look at themselves in the mirror. And what they do is they start saying, oh, well, you're still you still got the the love handles. You're still still don't fit in those jeans. You're 20 pounds heavier than you used to be four years ago. 
And what happens is instead of actually celebrating the few times that they went to the gym, what they start doing is they start beating themselves up. And that's actually demotivating. And so a lot of times we say, would I hit my goal of losing those 20 pounds? Then I'm going to be excited. Then I'm going to celebrate myself. And that's actually the complete wrong way of setting up habits and goals. And the reason why is because you only get dopamine when you celebrate yourself when you lose those 20 pounds. And so what I call them is, you know, and it's really important when you set goals to have results-based goals, which is I want to lose 20 pounds. But it's more important that after you set those to have what I call action-based goals, which is any time that you do an action that gets you closer to your results-based goal, you celebrate yourself in some sort of way. And so instead of saying, I'll be happy when I lose 20 pounds, I'll celebrate myself when I lose 20 pounds. If you celebrate yourself for walking in the gym, your body's going to release dopamine, which means you're going to become a little bit more addicted to going to the gym. When you celebrate yourself after every single set, your body releases dopamine. And so the celebration part of it is probably the most important part because we're so mean to ourselves in our heads a lot of times that we're not allowing ourselves to celebrate ourselves. And we celebrate ourselves, our body releases dopamine. And we want to continue to keep doing things that we were doing that allowed us to get that dopamine release. And so that's the difference in, in the way that you set up habits, because when you actually start to do something over and over and over again, you celebrate yourself for it, you get addicted to it. It starts to be something that becomes very habitual. And I don't know if you guys know anybody who's like addicted to the gym. They go to the gym every single day, even on their rest days. Those are people who, who get dopamine from going to the gym. And so the thing that I always recommend with people is figure out a way to celebrate yourself. To, and it can be as little as, oh my God, amazing job. I'm so proud of you. You showed up. You didn't want to be here. I'm so proud of you. You showed up. And when you have those little bit of, of celebrations, it releases dopamine. And another thing that's just a, a quick tip is they're actually found that people are more likely to show up the next day after working out if after that workout, they get a little tiny piece of chocolate because that actually releases about 150% more dopamine into somebody's brain and their system. So don't eat an entire like Snickers bar, but eat like a little bit of chocolate. And that's a dopamine reward system. It makes you more likely to show up for the next time that you actually want to take the action to create the habit. I think there's so many things here. Like one thing I want to go back to is if you're trying to build a new habit, sometimes it's overwhelming to do so many at the same time. So do you mm -hmm. recommend people try to start incorporating one new habit at a time? Oh yeah, for sure. One. <laughs> that's that's literally it. And what I always recommend, because when someone goes, you know what, it's the beginning of the year, I'm going to completely transform my life. And what I always recommend is do one thing and one thing only. If you want to go and say, hey, I'm going to do three big habits, your old version of yourself is going to resist it. That's just natural. You're going to resist a whole lot of change. And so what I always say is when you look at them, you should go for what's called a keystone habit. A keystone habit, a keystone, when you look at the Roman arches, was the stone that was in the very center at the top. And the reason why it was called a keystone is because when it started coming down and gravity pulled it, it locked itself and every single other brick and stone in place. And the important reason for that, the important thing to think about is that that's the most important one. It affects all other stones. So when you think of a keystone habit, you want to ask yourself, what is one habit that I can implement into my life that when I implement it into my life, it will affect other areas of my life? And so therefore, for instance, I'll give you a couple of examples of what I see are the, the most important keystone habits. One of them is working out because you could just say to yourself, all I'm going to do is going to get movement. I'm just going to move my body every single day. Some days it could be working out and lifting heavy. Some days it could be going for a run. Some days it could be doing yoga. Some days it could just be doing stretching. And whatever it is, I'm going to move my body in some sort of way. 
And when you do that and say, that's the one thing I'm going to do for 100 days. The reason why I say 100 days is because it takes usually about anywhere between 21 to 100 days to create a new habit. And so I say, hey, do one thing for 100 days straight. And if you just do that, at the end of 100 days, you can pick the next habit. Imagine if by the end of the you know 2024, you have three really big habits locked into your life because you spent 100 days on each one. Your life is vastly different, right? It's completely different. And when you look at like a keystone habit, for instance, this one habit affects other areas of my life. So all I did was I told myself I was going to get some movement. And with that movement, you're probably like, well, you know, I need to start drinking more water. You know what? I've been working really hard. I should probably stop drinking alcohol so much. You know, I've been working really hard. My body needs some rest. I'm going to get better sleep. And so that working out turns into a few other areas of your life that get impacted from it. Another one that I find that's really, really important for people is just waking up earlier. So if you say, I want to wake up at six, I don't think that you should wake up at six and then have a, a morning routine with like 400 things that you have to do. As long as your feet hit the, the floor at 6 a.m., that's the keystone habit that you needed to do. Some days you might have extra time and you could read and some days you could do yoga and some days you could go for a run and some days you could meditate, some days you could journal. But that one keystone habit is now affecting other areas of your life. And so Usually the two that I find that are really, really big for people, especially towards the beginning of the year, is number one, just waking up early. Or number two, can just be some form of movement. So how is your dry January going? What was my dry January last year has now turned into over a year without drinking, and it's been made so much easier by non-alcoholic brands that I can incorporate into my life. This episode is all about building habits or getting rid of habits. So if not drinking anymore or swapping to non-alcoholic options is for you, let me tell you about Gia. Kia is a non-alcoholic aperitif brand inspired by the Mediterranean. It's made with the purest ingredients. There's no alcohol, no artificial flavors, low sugar with no added sugar or sugar alternatives, and it's also vegan. They have a couple different ways that you guys can enjoy the brand. I'm sure you guys have either seen the bottle or the cans. I always see them every time I go to the store, and that's why I was like, okay, I finally have to try these. And they have the original bottled aperitif. It can be spritzed with the bubbles of your choice. And they also have four canned ready-to-drink spritzes. These are really great if you are on the go, you're going to a friend's, you just want to have maybe one option instead of having a whole bottle. They have a couple different flavors, Gia Soda, Lime and Salt, Gia Ginger, and Sumac and Chili. They also have a new one. It's called the Berry Aperitif. This is their first non-bitter flavor. It's bold, juicy, and tart. Spritz it for a dry, sparkling pairing or with your favorite food. And you can also pour it over ice if you want a little sweet nightcap. So this is really perfect if you're doing dry January or just looking for an elevated non-alcoholic beverage to try. Also head to their site because they have so many good mocktail recipes to try. Visit drinkgia.com and use code Mariana at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's D-R-I-N-K. G-H-I-A.com and use code Mariana for 20% off. Building habits sounds really great. It's something that we intend to do. We want to work towards them. And let's say you're starting to work on them and then you fall off. How do you get yourself back on track? Because it can be so discouraging. Like, oh, well, I missed two days of working out. So now I'm just going to give up. Yeah. Well, that, that goes back to like the self-talk, right? And, you know, so often what I find with people is that you could, it might be, you know, January 17th. And somebody's like, I'm going to work out every single day this month. And that's what they want to do. I'm going to do some form of movement. I'm going to work on themselves. And it's January 17th. They didn't plan ahead and they got too busy with work. They got too busy with the kids. It's 11 PM. And they're like, I didn't get my workout in. Oh my gosh. I knew I was going to fail. What's wrong with you? Why do you always do this? You always screw up. Like you said, this was important to you. You were going to do it. And it's like guilting and shame and guilt and shame. And what they do is they blame themselves and they guilt and shame themselves for one day. 
but they had 16 days of success. And they look at the one failure and they concentrate on just the one failure versus saying, you know what, Rob, you screwed up. It's okay. But you know what? You did 16 really good days. You haven't done 16 days in years. I'm proud of you. You did good. Sure, you screwed up. But you know what? Let's look at the screw up and say, what did I do wrong? Okay, I didn't plan ahead. You know, I forgot that I had to take the kids to soccer practice and I forgot this. You know what? I think what this is trying to teach me is if I'm going to do this, I need to be better with time management. I need to be better with, with planning my days out. And so I think what it comes back to is if you quote unquote fail, then, you know, which is really just messing up. If you mess up in some sort of way, the mess up is a teacher. What lesson needs to come from that? And then on the other side of it, like, why don't you celebrate yourself and build yourself up and talk to yourself the way that one of your friends would? If one of your friends came and said this to you, you would build them up. One of Mariana, one of my favorite videos that actually is around this, we were just talking about our, our mutual friend, Jay Shetty. And we were, he has a, a great video he put out probably five years ago. And it was a video where he had these women come in and they were probably in their mid-20s, mid-30s. And he said, here's a pen and paper. I want you to write down everything that's negative that you say to yourself, everything that you don't want to say to yourself anymore. And so they're scribbling all this, this, you know, this, this self-hate stuff they say in their heads. And he says, okay, come into another room with me. They go into another room and it's their little sisters. And they're like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. He goes, I want you to say these things directly to them. And they were like, no, they were like appalled. And he said, if you wouldn't say it to your little sister, why would you say it to yourself? And I think of it the exact same way where it's like, celebrate. If your little sister did 16 days of working out, you'd be like, hey, you did awesome. You screwed up. No big deal. Start talking to yourself the same way that you talk to someone that you love. And I think it becomes a lot easier to get back on track when you fall off track. I think so too. And outside of that dopamine reward system that you said, are there any other things that we can do to help keep our habits consistent? Yeah. I mean, I'll give you a really good one. So, you know, a lot of people hear about accountability partners and accountability partners are great, but I have a little bit of a twist on accountability partners. There's two different types of accountability partners you could have. And so, you know, if we're staying on the the workout train, let's just say it's the workout train, right? You could have somebody that comes to the gym with you and that's a great workout partner and accountability partner to have. But a lot of people, when I say that are like, yeah, but Rob, a lot of people around me are not motivated. They're not trying to grow themselves. What do I do if I, how do I find an accountability partner if none, nobody else around me is really in the same flow of trying to improve themselves? And the other thing I say is, you know, what's the other, like probably even a better accountability partner than the one that comes to the gym with you is the most annoying friend that you have. We all have the most annoying friend that loves to call us out, that loves to talk trash, that loves to, you know, throw little digs in us and mess with us. And it's, they're fun, but they don't, they don't even have to work out at all. But if you ju just literally say this to them, if you say, you know, here's what I want to do. I want to start working out five days a week. I have to send you a photo of me in the gym five times a week. And if I don't send it to you five times a week for every time that I don't send you a picture, I'm going to pay you $100. <laughs> that person is going to check up on you more than any person that you could ever have that could be an accountability partner. And so I think it's important to have accountability partners, whether that's someone who motivates you and goes to the gym with you or does whatever practice it might be, helps you grow your business, whatever, whatever it is that you're working towards. Or it can also be the annoying friend that just needs to hold you accountable. Because all too often, it's really interesting. We won't do things for ourselves, but a lot of times we'll do things if we're being watched or we'll do things for other people. And so I think just having an accountability partner, whether they motivate you or whether they just you know, really have a watchful eye, I think it really makes it a lot uh, easier to create habits and take the action that you need to. 
I'm definitely that annoying friend. I have a friend right now who's trying to work on her sleep schedule. And every morning I was like, what time did you go to bed last night? And I think she right. just tells me a time because she knows I'm going to text her the next day. And, it, and she probably, because of that little teeny tiny check-in, it's probably, she's like, I don't want to disappoint her. I don't want to make, I don't, I know she's going to text me in the morning. And, and it helps to have somebody like you that just continues to check in on somebody, even if they're not doing the action with you, just because a lot of times we'll step up to the plate for other people if we know we're being checked on, sometimes more than we will for ourselves. And between us, I know we know so many successful and inspiring people. Are there any daily habits that they have that you've kind of seen across like different categories or people that you think some people could start incorporating? Yeah, I think I think one of the things I noticed the most is is they're usually with successful people. They're not the smartest people. They are just somebody who has just decided that they are going to do this thing and they're either going to succeed or they're going to die trying. One of the things that I, I think is important is people look at their lives and they say, well, I just have so much fear. I have the fear of failure. I have the fear of rejection. I have these fears. What I have found with every successful person that I've ever met is literally they they have all of the exact same fears. There's just a big difference is that people who are not quote unquote successful, whatever success means to you and everyone listening, they're not successful is that successful people have the fears, they just don't listen to them. Unsuccessful people have the fears and they think that that's the thing that's holding them back. There's a, a really big, probably if I'm being honest with you, like my, my favorite quote that's inside of my book because of the fact that it was like eye-opening for me when I started writing it is most people will find their fears and then they'll say, okay, well, I've identified my fear. Now tell me how to overcome my fear. Like what, how do I overcome it? I've identified that I'm afraid of failure. I'm identified I'm afraid of rejection. And what's really interesting about it is when you look at fears, there's two categories of fears that I break it into. One of them is primal fear, which means that a primal fear means that physical pain or potential death is attached to it. On the other side of it is intellectual fears, which if you look like fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of not being loved, those are all intellectual fears. You can't actually die from any of those fears. And then so, so inside of my book, you know, I say that it doesn't surprise me. Most people say, how do I get rid of my fear? Like, how do I get rid of this fear that I've now identified? And there's a really great quote that from a guy named Carl Albrecht, and then he defines fear as an anxious feeling caused by our anticipation of some imagined event or experience. The key word of that whole thing is imagined. That feeling that you're feeling of fear is a biological reaction to what we're thinking, not what's actually happening in reality. And so I think that people who are successful understand fear is just something that I feel. It's going to be omnipresent. I'm going to have limiting beliefs. I'm not going to think I'm good enough. I'm going to have fears. But regardless of what I think of myself, regardless of what fears I have, regardless of my limiting beliefs, I'm going to take action anyways. And I think that for me, that's the biggest thing that I found is like, they're not the smartest. They're not the hardest working sometimes. Sometimes there's, there's some unsuccessful people that are incredibly hardworking. But really what it comes down to is they, they don't really listen to their fears or have their fears dictate what their life is going to be. Support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. Perfect timing, honestly, because the new year is here and my wardrobe could definitely use a refresh. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through and their staples make getting dressed easier than ever before. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have luxurious cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories to elevated versions of all of your everyday basics. Not to mention the most incredible home essentials too. I have their cups and plates. Jenny Kane is here to help you live your best year yet. And for a limited time, our listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use code Mariana to get 15% off. 
I'm currently packing for a trip and I was like, okay, told myself I only want to bring elevated basics that I want to wear a lot. I don't want to overpack. And one of the pieces I brought was my Jenny Kane sweater because I knew I would look chic, feel put together and that I could wear it and mix it with so many different ways. And in any season, but for this one specifically, their sweaters really are the it item. I'm obsessed with the Flynn cashmere sweater. It's the perfect everyday V-neck and the cashmere turtleneck is just one of those solid stable pieces for the season. I get so many compliments every time I wear a Jenny Kane sweater because they're so comfortable and I love that I can live in them all year long. Jenny Kane is known for their super luxe yet lightweight sweaters and trust us, they do cashmere better than anyone. Not only do I love their knits, but their home essentials are amazing and I have their cups, plates, and pillows. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code Mariana at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code Mariana. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Something else that's in your book is you talk about managing distractions and organizing chaotic schedules. And for so many of us, we're working, we're taking care of families, we have so much going on personally and professionally. How can you fit in time even to build a habit? Because you're like, I barely have any free time now. Yeah. Well, you know, like when I was writing the book, I started thinking to myself, like, what do I, what do I teach more than anything else? I have 1300 podcast episodes of the Mindset Mentor. What do I teach? And I was like, more than anything else, I just kind of give people tips and tricks to take action and to get out of their own way. And then so I was like, so basically take action. And then I thought to myself, okay, if I write a book on taking action, why don't people take action in the first place? And so I wrote about like why people don't take action. And then I started thinking about like, what is a big piece of that? A big piece of that is that people are so distracted. Like for me, for instance, I realized that my phone was super distracting for me. And so what did I do? I deleted all social media apps for my phone. I have two phones because I have one that I have to have for work, but I leave one plugged in in my office at all points in time. That's what I post from social media, all of that. But when I leave the house and I go to the studio and I go to other places and I'm not in the, the actual office itself, I leave my other phone and I have no social media to distract me. And so if someone's trying to take action and try to get the life that they want, whatever that looks like for them, the first thing you need to say is like, well, how am I distracting myself? And so when you look at it, Cell phones, incredibly distracting. The average person spends about three hours and 43 minutes a day on their phone. So that's a big distraction. What if you just had an extra three hours and 43 minutes in your day? Another thing that's really distracting for people is notifications that they have. So you know, if, if somebody sends me a text message right now, my phone won't light up. The only time my phone lights up with a notification is if somebody calls me. I don't get any Instagram, obviously, no emails, no, none of that stuff. And so it's like, okay, notifications distract me. How can I get rid of that? Other people can distract you. So a lot of people listening have children. And so if someone's trying to build a business, for instance, and they're distracted by their children a lot, well, then maybe what they do is they have, hey, honey, I'm going to need you just to watch the kids for two hours from like five o'clock to seven o'clock. I'm going to close the door to the office. I'm going to just get this two hours of really deep work done. And so I think what it's about is, is realizing that we're going to be distracted. Like there's thousands of ads that we see every single day. There's other people that exist. There's phones, there's notifications, there's emails, there's your children. There's so many things that are out there to distract you. What it's about is how can I remove, how can I be very intentional with my life and remove as many distractions as possible? Because when I look at my life, like I'm so driven towards my purpose, I just realized that social media is a distraction. And it's not, besides posting on social media to try to impact people, it's the, that's the only thing that it's, that it's useful for me. I want to be a creator on social media. I don't want to be a consumer of social media. And so my mission is so strong. I don't care about looking at what other people are doing today. 
I don't care about what's going on in their lives. I care about creating content to put out there to try to try to impact people's lives. And I think if people have a strong enough why for whatever it is that they're trying to do and whatever they're trying to create in their life, whatever that purpose might be, it kind of gives you permission to get rid of some of the distractions that might be in your way from getting there. I think even for myself, that's a habit I need to create. So I'm really good about that on my phone. I don't have any text messages. My phone is always on silent. I don't have calls, but I still do find myself scrolling a little bit too much. And so I feel like I need to go back to like having a second phone where social's not on there because I end up just like mindlessly scrolling and then I chalk it up to, oh, it's it's market research. I'm looking and see what the industry is doing. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, at what point <laughs> is it too. like not market research and I'm just scrolling because I'm scrolling? Right, right. Do you want an extra tip of what I've been doing recently? Do you have a Apple Watch? I do. Okay. Try for a week to just only use your Apple Watch and see how it works. For me, that's what I actually started doing was, so now I've got my two phones, but then I also realized like, man, like there's, there's other things that I could do. I can, if I'm not on Instagram, I could go onto Reddit or I could research something or look on my phone. And then I realized like the little teeny tiny screen is useless. So the only time that I get any notification on is if I'm getting a phone call. And so if you really want to try to distance yourself, anybody listening can try this. Like I deleted Instagram for 30 days. It was like amazing. It was great. And then as soon as I, I as my book came out, I was like, I got to redownload it because I got to start posting and getting my book out there and let people know like level up exists and stuff. And then it was like immediately I was sucked back in. So I deleted it again and it's and I'm moving myself away from it. But then I was like, man, there's so many ways to distract your phone, w- distract yourself with your phone. If somebody has an iPhone that is uh, connected to you know cellular, they can do almost everything that they need to from their phone. And then if they sit in front of a computer, they can do everything else they need to from the computer usually. If you if you want to try it, send me a message. Let me know how it goes because I'm, I'm curious if it works for you because it really works for me too. I want to hear some more of your habits. So was there one that you incorporated in the last few years that you feel like really changed your life or your day or how you feel? Yeah, breath work. Breath work has been really big for me. So, you know, I'm probably like you, I'm like, I'm, I'm incredibly busy. So I have, I have a podcast and I have, I have a a company outside of the podcast, which has, you know, 34 employees in it. And we're putting out the book. The book just came out. So it's like, there's so many things that are happening. And there was a point where I was like, man, I can't wait till I just have more time and things die down. And I've come to realize that it's not happening. You know, there's more opportunities. There's more things to do. There's more exciting things. There's always, always wanting to travel. And, and what's really helped me to kind of get myself out of my head and to get myself back in the present moment is breath work. And so you can go on to, it could be as simple as literally 60 breaths, which is just in through the nose, out through the mouth. When you breathe out through your mouth, breathe out like you breathe out through a straw. And the longer exhale actually slows your heart rate down and helps you relieve a lot of, and get rid of a lot of carbon dioxide that's inside of your blood. So that allows you to relax and your muscles to relax more. That takes like two minutes to do really like six really deep breaths. Another thing you could do is if you have three minutes or five minutes going to YouTube, I do breath work every single morning and usually about two to three times a day besides the morning. So I do about 10 minutes to 25 minutes of breath work in the morning and then I meditate after. I find that I get way deeper into my meditations. My brain kind of turns off finally because I've had meditations where I sit down and I meditate and it's 25 minutes of me thinking about all the stuff I have to do for work. Actually, that's the majority of my meditations, if I'm being honest, is that. So I'm like, how do I turn my brain off? Breath work usually helps me a lot. And then throughout the day, there's like a lot of stuff happening. And you know, I have tons of things happening. I'm like, man, oh God, I, I feel myself starting to get stressed again. I feel myself starting to get anxious. Like I feel like people, because I have a podcast called The Mindset Mentor, people think that like my mindset is perfect. It's not. 
I'm a normal person, deal with all the exact same crap that everybody else does. I just kind of have some tools and tricks to get myself out of anxiety and stress when I find myself there. And so usually I'll do like a 10 minute, five minute breathwork practice just to get myself out of my head and back into my body. Because what I found is when I'm in my head, I'm either stuck in the future, I'm stuck in the past and I'm worrying or I have anxious thoughts around something. I don't make the best decisions. But when I'm like present, when I'm here, when I'm centered, when I'm calm, I get way more creative ideas. I think better. I interact better with my employees. And so I just try to remind myself to come back to the present moment. And I find the easiest way to get myself back to the present moment is, is through breath work. Did you know that thinning hair happens to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning is so normal and it's not openly talked about and going through it can feel really lonely and frustrating. So join over 1 million people that are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I know that hair thinning is complicated and the problem is it's actually bigger than just your hair alone. It's just like your skin, your hair is a reflection of your health and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Everyone's root cause of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth does not cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages such as postpartum, menopause, as well as different lifestyles such as plant-based diets. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code Mariana. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code Mariana. That's Nutrafol.com promo code Mariana. Do you have an aura ring? I don't, but I have a whoop. Okay. Okay, so I have an aura ring and there's a new setting on there and it has like a stress feature. So it will like yeah. alert you when you are really stressed out through the day. So it's kind of monitoring like your past temperature and your average heart rate. And if your temperature Ooh. increases or your heart rate increases, it will tell you you're stressed. And so I was speaking at something a few weeks ago. My flight was late. I was rushing to the event and it went off when I was in the car and it told me that I was stressed. I sat in the car. I did nine minutes of breath work and four minute meditation. I opened the app back up and it said I was in a relaxed state again. So for me, I've really wow. found that habit of breath work in those moments where I'm feeling anxious. I already know I'm anxious. And then I have an alert going off on my phone that's telling me I'm anxious. It really, yeah. it's a free practice. You can learn something. It's such a great thing to incorporate. And I had been meditating the last few years, but I feel like my recent introduction of breath work has made more of an impact for me than meditation has. Oh my gosh, I agree with you 100%. It's it's really about like regulating your nervous system and we get too stressed sometimes and sometimes you're just like, "Hey, everything's okay." Like it, usually when we're so stressed is it feels like our we're not safe, right? And so sometimes it's about like, "Hey, you're safe. You're okay. Like let's let's do the next thing." Like you're, you're stressed out cuz you're thinking about all of the things you have to do. You can only do one thing at a time. Okay, yeah. let's breathe. Let's get ourselves here and let's get that one thing done. What's the most important thing to do right now to make yourself feel better? And I was thinking about that too when you said about during meditation, you're always thinking about everything else you have to do, which is definitely me too. Yeah. And I'm always thinking about like long-term goals and things I'm working towards. So how do having healthy habits, whether it's professional or personal habits, help us achieve these long-term goals? 
Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is, is I think that what's most important is that people have to have some sort of why of what they're driving to in the future. Like I used to have a, I had a, one of my very first mentors, my, I, I hired my very first one-on-one coach, like life coach. when I was 19. I paid in 2006, I paid $500 a month to have this guy at 19 years old, which I didn't have, but I had a credit card and I only paid $350 a month in rent, but I paid $500 for this guy. And, and the, the thing that he used to always tell me more than anything else is if your why is strong enough, your how will reveal itself. Which means like we always want to go for long-term goals, but a lot of the times the reason why we fall off is because we forget. It's like the phrase, when you think about quitting, remember why you started. We usually don't have like a really strong why. And so like the beginning of the year right now, people have these big goals and they want to change their life and the New Year's resolutions and everything. And then they, you know, like I think it's like 97% of people fall off in the New Year's resolution goals. I think the main reason why is because they don't have a strong why behind it. They don't have like a really meaningful why. I interviewed years ago uh, on my podcast, a guy named Jeff Hoffman. He's a a billionaire. He founded Priceline.com. And he used to say that he would motivate his his salespeople through their why. And so example that he gave me is he had this guy come in and he's like, hey, what's your goal for this year? And he's like, my goal is to make whatever, $100,000. He's like, okay, cool. Why do you want to do that? He's like, well, I want to make $100,000 because of this, this, this. And he's like, but that's not good enough. Like, Why do you want to do it? He's like, what do you want this $100,000 to do for you? And he's like, well, he's like, you know, my mom immigrated into this country. We've lived in Miami my entire life. She's never had a house. And all she's ever wanted my entire life is a house. And he said, okay. He's like, here's what I want you to do. He said he wanted to buy her a house. He said, okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to find like the perfect small house for your mom, the one that you would be able to afford and put a down payment on for her if you hit this $100,000 and you make this this year. And so he goes, when you get that, come back to my office, print that picture out. I want to see what this house looks like. He's like, okay, cool. He goes and he finds this cute little house. He prints out a picture and he says, Jeff, this is what it looks like. He said, okay, come back to your cubicle with me. They go back to his cubicle and right above his phone, he put the picture of the house. And then so every time he would walk by, Jeff would walk by this guy's desk, he wouldn't say like, hey, how many calls did you make today? Because he was a salesperson. How much money did you make today? How many commission, How much did you make in commissions today? He would say, hey, how much closer did you get to getting your mom a house today? And what happened was the long-term goal was getting his mom a house. The why behind it was sitting in front of him. He could see it every single day and it drove him to, t- to take more action. And he said, by the end of that year, he was able to get enough for a down payment. He was able to put a down payment on a house for his mom and he was able to accomplish that goal. But if it was just like, hey, I want to make $100,000, He's probably going to lose sight. He's going to give up most likely. Most people give up on, on just a, a monetary goal. But when it is, I want to give my mom the house that she has always wanted her entire life, people will usually work hard for that. And so I think it's, you know, you got to know what you want, but more importantly, you've got to really know why you want to get it. And that usually drives people towards long-term goals. Yeah, I think that's really helpful because uh, when I was building my own morning routine, I kept hearing all these things that different people were doing. And I was like, oh, I I should incorporate all these things because all these people I look up to have these daily habits. And then I found myself going through the motion and I actually wasn't feeling any better. It wasn't making me more productive or feel good Mm. about myself. I had to go back to like, okay, why am I doing this step? Like, what is the purpose of me doing this? And then I figured out the best habits that worked for me, not because they worked for other people, but it was really figuring out the why behind why I'm actually doing these things. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm I'm a really big believer in morning routines. And my very first coach that I was talking about earlier when I, I hired when I was 19, his name is Hal Elrod. He actually wrote the book, The Miracle Morning, which is like, you know, sold 3 million copies. It's kind of this thing that started these morning routines. And I love him to death and he's an amazing person. 
And he really does practice what he preaches. Like I've been to, I've been at a Dave Matthews concert with him and Dave Matthews was on for like 15 minutes and he had to leave because he had, because <laughs> he wanted to get to his, go to bed early enough to have his morning routine. So like he, he really lives and breathes it. And he always recommends having like, uh, you know, six different things you do in the morning. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's what people want to do. But really what I think is like, as long as your feet hit the floor in the morning, have one thing that makes you excited to get up for, right? Like, and it's not, like you said, it's not about what other people are doing, but it's like, Hey, if I wake up in the morning and I can do my yoga or even just have silence before my kids wake up and enjoy a cup of coffee in silence before the crap hits the fan, whatever it might be, it's like, what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning and, and having that why for you that makes you want to do it? What does your morning routine look like? Wake up in the morning, go to the bathroom. And then what I go is I get 32 ounces of water and I put creatine in it and I put element so that I have, I'm hydrated before. Because usually after that, in about an hour after I wake up, I usually do a workout. And then what I do is I go and my wife, myself, and my dog always go and we turn on YouTube in the, in the living room. We do 12 minutes of breath work this morning is what we did. We did a 10-minute meditation right after it and then ended up doing about a 45-minute workout after that. And so, but the 45 minute workout is, you know, three to four times a week. So when I don't do it and it's a rest day, that 45 minutes is, is it switches, it moves. It's can be reading. So usually it's a lot of reading. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes I just go outside and I sit on my back porch and go out with my dog and just be in complete silence while drinking a cup of coffee. But the, the actual like things that are stuck and are always every single morning is always hydrate, always breath work, always meditate, it's always me and my wife. We do it together. It's like our habit of the thing that we do together so that we can kind of be connected. And then we let our day kind of go into what our day is going to be. And I just want to end with your new book. So I would love to hear who you think this book is for, because I feel like the title is kind of a little bit of all of us. It's how to get focused, stop procrastinating and upgrading your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really for people. The, the way that I, the reason why I call it level up is because of the fact that I look at life as like a video game. Like I've had many challenges in my life. Everybody has challenges in their life, but that's kind of like a video game is video games have challenges. And with every single challenge, it allows us to level up and get to the next level and get better. And so with it, it's, it's funny because people are always like, you know, you have the mindset mentor podcast, like who's your demographic? Somebody asked me this yesterday, what's your demographic? And I was like, oh my gosh, like we have people that are 14 that listen to the podcast. We have people that are 93 that listen to the podcast. And so it's like, <laughs> the way that I explain it is if somebody can fog a cup, they could be somebody who listens to the podcast. They could be somebody who reads the book where it's just someone who's living, they're breathing. But you know, there's a lot of people, I guess, that are not trying to, to level up their lives. So I think it's somebody who, who isn't taking the action that they want to. They know that they have some long-term goals. They want to get their life to be better. And they're just like, hey, how do I get out of my own way? Is really what it comes down to is, is I know I want to do something. I have this side of me that's like, hey, I want to go and do this, but there's a side of me that just won't stop self-sabotaging. There's a side of me that just keeps holding me back. There's the ego that comes up. And so what I really think is it's like if somebody has long-term goals they're trying to work towards, but they feel like they're spinning their wheels, they feel like they're self-sabotaging, they don't really know how to get out of their own way. That's really the reason why I wrote the book. Because you know what I really wanted and the reason why I wrote the book is people keep asking like, why write it in the first place? It takes a lot of time. It took three years to do and 16 rounds of edits. When I look at the podcast and look at the Mindset Mentor, it's sometimes we talk about anxiety, sometimes we talk about success, sometimes we talk about money, some, you know, we talk about all different things. I wanted something where if I were to die today, somebody could listen to the podcast and they could love the podcast and all of that, but I wanted somebody to, to be able to walk into a bookstore, pick up a book and say, okay, this is the book that I need that tells me step-by-step step how to understand my mind. 
and how to, how to take action to create the life that I want. And so that's really the reason why I wrote it was because I wanted it to be like, we're given the most complex piece of machinery in the entire world in between our ears, and we have no idea how to use it. There's no manual for your brain. And so when I wrote the book, I was like, how can I make it as a manual for the brain for people to understand how they hold themselves back, how to stop holding themselves back, and how to actually create action and, and take the life that they want? Because my biggest fear in the world is getting to the end of my life and not have creating what I could have created or not living up to my potential. And so I wanted to write a book where people could really start to understand how to actualize their potential. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see the book and I am a listener of the podcast and I think everyone should check out The Mindset Mentor because I learned so much from you. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate your kind words. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.